Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Girl Next Door Podcast. It's Renee here. I'm so glad to be with you and thank you for joining me and for being up for listening to and thinking about a very serious and uh, very sad and heavy topic, uh, which is babies born alive left to die. Um, I actually did an episode on abortion a few months back when the Roe v. Wade was overturned in America. Now, I would suggest that you go back to that. It was episode 192 because I unpacked why that was historical. So Roe v. Wade was um, created or the policy was put through uh, over 50 years ago and never in their wildest dreams in America did people think that that would be able to be overturned, but it was. And so if you don't know anything about that, go back and have a listen to that just to refresh your memory. Now, I've wanted to talk more about abortion. On that episode, I really only talked about the Roe v. Wade, and I talked about the different legislation around abortion, the history of it, um, the legislation in America, and then the legislation here in Australia. But I wanted to talk more about it because I had several of you tell me that after that episode, you reached out and you're like, Renee, I have got friends. And of course, it's mostly in the young adult age bracket who are Christian, and yet they adamantly support abortion. And uh, you were asking my advice, like, what do I do if I've got people in my life that adamantly support it? Now, this does not surprise me because I know that most people who are of this view actually understand nothing of what abortion actually is. They do not know how it's performed, and they certainly have never thought through what constitutes life. And all you have to do is ask people a few questions, and they uh, really do tie themselves up in a knot trying to um, you know, explain or justify um, their views on abortion because of this question, what actually constitutes life? And so there's really a lot more to unpack on this topic. And I think a lot of people don't think about the detail. They just believe what seems to be the mainstream narrative, right? Which we talk about this here all the time. People just believe what appears to be mainstream, which by the way, A lot of the time it is not mainstream. It's just that the media um, and a lot of our politicians, the people in power and, um, and, and the people that are the activists are all the loudest. And so it makes us feel like we're the minority, but we're actually not. Now, I know that trigger warnings are a thing but I'm not going to give one today. Maybe that is me giving one by saying I'm not giving one um, because I think we actually need to be shocked around this topic. And, um, And I don't apologize for that. And my other thought around that is that these beautiful darling babies who are born alive after a failed abortion and left to die, who gives them a trigger warning? Who gives them a trigger warning before this happens to them? So no doubt most of you are probably not aware 
that babies are allowed to be aborted here in Australia in their later stages. So that's the focus of today. So I want to revisit what happens with these late-term abortions. Now, the laws are different in every state, but basically when it comes to late-term abortions, we're talking anything past 20 to 22 weeks gestation. So in New South Wales, Queensland and Victoria, abortions may be performed after 22 weeks. And what they don't say to you, what they don't say is right up to birth, right? So they're allowed to be performed after 22 weeks if two doctors approve. Now in South Australia, they can be performed after 22 weeks if two doctors approve, but based on the fact that the health and mental well-being of the mother's at risk or to save another fetus in the case of multiple pregnancies, or if the fetus has a severe abnormality. And in Western Australia, a uh, abortion may be, be performed after 22 weeks if two doctors from a government-appointed panel agree that either the mother or fetus has a severe medical condition. So as you can see, it's a little bit different in each state. But to put this in context, a baby can be aborted from 22 weeks, right? But a baby also can survive from 22 weeks if they were never to be aborted, but they were for whatever reason born early, they can actually survive outside the womb if born that early. There have been cases where a 22-week-old baby in utero has been born and survived, but definitely from 24 weeks. So for those who use the argument that abortion is justified because the fetus could never out, uh, survive outside the womb, which is what a lot of people say, this is why they say, look, you know, I can justify abortion because, not me personally, but the people on the pro-abortion side, because that fetus could never survive. Well, we're talking about aborting 22-week-olds, 23-week-old, 24-week-olds and older all of whom can survive outside of the womb. Uh, and so that argument totally falls over. So a 22-week-old fetus, which is legal to abort in most states here in Australia, let me tell you a little bit about that 22-week-old fetus. They are about 27 centimeters long, which means if you cup your two hands together, that little baby would fit inside your cupped hands. They have got fully developed arms, hands, fingers, feet, and toes, which by the way, fully developed back at the 12 week mark. Now by 12 weeks, by the way, they also have their own unique fingerprint. At 22 weeks, they are starting to grip on to things. They can grip with their little fingers. Their vision and their hearing are getting stronger. Even though their eyelids are sealed shut, they can perceive light and dark. They can hear their mum's breathing and they can hear her heartbeat and they can even hear when her tummy rumbles, they can hear her voice. They have tiny eyebrows. They can suck their thumb. Their brain is rapidly developing. And this one I want you to remember, the medical community is absolutely sure that a baby can feel pain, not only at 22 weeks, but they can definitely feel pain at 15 weeks. And studies are pointing to the fact that it is very possible and they're getting more and more sure that they can even feel pain as young as 12 weeks. Now, if a fetus needed a, a fetus that was wanted and, and, and a mother was pregnant, but there was for some reason something wrong and the baby needed a surgical procedure in utero, 
a fetus in utero, the standard medical care is for the fetus to be given anesthesia, right? That's how much they know that babies feel pain. They will not operate in utero on a baby unless they first give them an anesthetic. Just remember that. Just remember everything that I've just told you as I move on to the next part. Um, Also, I want you to know that the information and the data, it is not easy to find, but everything that I'm telling you, I've got links for. Um, So let's talk about late-term abortions, which, like I said, occur from about 20 weeks onward. Now, from 2010, between 2010 and 2020, 4,000 929 late-term abortions were performed in Queensland and Victoria. I'm going to be talking more the most about Queensland and Victoria today because um, they're the ones that don't um, that actually happily. Re- well, I don't know if they do it happily, but they do release their data. The other states keep a lot of their data hidden. So in Queensland and Victoria combined between 2010 and 2020, there were 4,929 late-term abortions. Okay. So babies over 20 to 22 weeks were aborted. Now, shockingly, these are not just performed and have not just been performed on babies who have had medical issues that are not compatible with life. Many late-term abortions are made on babies who could survive outside the womb with medical intervention. Even more shockingly, in Victoria, 44% of late-term abortions were for psychosocial reasons. Now, I think you can work out what that means just from the word psychosocial. So that is the reason was not in relation to the physical health of the mother or the baby. It can relate to any impact that on an individual's quality of life, right? So this is a very slippery slope. So the mother just has to somehow prove that it's going to affect her quality of life. It could be financial. It could be emotional. Now, a late-term abortion is when a fetus cannot be aborted in the usual medical or surgical ways, okay? Earlier abortions, the fetus, and I don't want to focus on this too much because I really want to focus on the late term, but earlier abortions, the fetus is uh, suctioned out. But once the baby is older than 14 weeks gestation, they're not only too large to fit through the suction catheter, but their bones have started to calcify, which makes them too firm to remove by suction alone. I don't want to go into that procedure today. I think that there's only so much that we can handle in one episode, but let me just tell you, it's absolutely brutal. But once a baby is too big for that procedure, the surgical removal, uh, a late-term abortion has to be performed. And that is known as a feticide. Now, in Australia, this is executed without any anesthetic. Now, just remember that the baby can feel pain and no relief is given for this procedure. So what happens in a late-term abortion is ultrasound specialists access the fetal circulation system and they inject potassium chloride into the heart to achieve immediate cardiac arrest. And I'm sorry to have to say that, but yes, what I'm saying is they administer a lethal injection in utero into the baby's heart so that the baby has a cardiac arrest. The mother then will deliver her 
was meant to be obviously by then dead baby via a normal um, delivery. Now, sometimes what happens is these abortions fail in that the baby is actually born alive. Now, signs of life when this baby is delivered after the a, a failed, you know, abortion attempt would include things like the heart is still beating, the baby's breathing and crying. Now, survival times of the 4,900 babies that have been aborted just in Victoria and Queensland, survival times have ranged from 32 minutes to four hours. Now, it, get, it gets worse. So these babies are born alive, left to die for anything between 32 minutes to four hours. Now, there is little information as to how this happens, and many states do not release the full data. So most of the picture that we've drawn is from Victoria and Queensland. Now, let me read you a few examples of babies who have been born alive. So here are a few stories. Tim, a baby who survived an abortion following a diagnosis of Down syndrome and was left to die without medical care for nine hours before a nurse provided life-saving medical treatment. Gianna Jessen, the, uh, she, I'm pretty sure, has written a book about this, but she was a survivor of a saline abortion procedure. She had cerebral palsy due to a lack of oxygen to her brain during the abortion attempt, but is today an outspoken advocate for equal rights for babies born alive following an abortion. Now, this one's in Australia. An unnamed baby who was aborted and zipped into a medical bag while still breathing at Westmead Hospital following an abortion. Now, this next one is a, um, a well-known one that is documented. It happened in the Northern Territory. Jessica Jane, a baby who was born alive in the Northern Territory following a failed abortion and who lived for approximately 80 minutes. This one was heartbreaking. The nurse that delivered her kept ringing the, the doctor saying, you know, she was still showing signs of life. She was breathing. She was crying. She was moving. And the doctor said to this nurse, so... And the nurse's hands were tied, but she was so um, distraught and destroyed by by what happened. Now, these are just, you know, a few examples of babies who have been born alive. And we think that that's rare here in Australia, but not so much. It's actually not as rare as what we think. So if we take again Victoria and Queensland, and we know that 4,929 babies were uh you know, had late term abort were aborted via late term abortions from 2010 to 2020. Out of that number, 724 babies have been born alive in this way. That's 724 babies just in Victoria and Queensland in a hospital up the road from you, if you live in one of those states, has been born alive in this manner. Now, on Average every week in Queensland and Victoria, another baby is born alive after a failed abortion. But this is not the worst of it. The worst part is that these babies are completely unprotected under Australian law. Therefore, they are left to die in the most inhumane, inhumane way. Now, Queensland, let me read to you what's on their website. 
their health clinical guidelines for abortion state, and I quote, if during an abortion, a live birth occurs, do not provide life-sustaining treatment. Document the time and date of death, end of quote. That is on a website here in the state that I live in. These babies are left to die. They are not given any medical intervention. They are given no pain relief. They're not even kept warm in a blanket. They're not swaddled and wrapped and held. They are put in a cold, sterilized medical dish, a kidney dish. And from what I've been told, and this is what definitely did happen with Jessica Jane in the Northern Territory, and what I've been told from trusted people who know a lot about this, they're put into a a cupboard or another room, such as a broom cupboard, with the door closed until they die. Because the doctors and nurses can't stand to hear the cries of the baby. So just let that sink in. Babies are left cold, in pain, alone, unloved, to die. And remember, they're crying. They feel pain. This is a disgrace on our country. Let's put this into even more perspective. If a wanted and loved baby was born at the same number of weeks in that very same hospital, that baby would be rushed to the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, and given every life-saving treatment available. That baby, same age, would be put in a warm incubator, wrapped lovingly, and monitored around the clock. And what about this? If a mother gave birth early to a baby, same number of weeks again, and the hospital did not medically intervene to save that child, that is obviously wanted and loved, that hospital would be sued if they left that child and didn't intervene. They would be sued. Or if the mother gave birth to the baby, same number of weeks, but for whatever reason, she delivers the baby and then she leaves the baby to die, so there's no abortion attempt. She just, you know, I don't know, maybe a single mother or whatever it might be, for whatever reason, she leaves the baby to die. She would be charged with murder. Like, can you imagine if um, if a mother delivers a 22-week-old, the neonatal uh, nurse unit come in, take the baby, put the baby in the incubator, start giving it treatment, and then if the mother then were to come in and kill that baby in the incubator, she would be charged with murder. It is just literally crazy. And yet in failed abortion attempts, that child has no rights. And instead, they actually suffer a a terrible, traumatic death. So there are some people in the world that are fighting for this. Um, A bill was introduced into the federal Senate in November of last year, November of 2022. And the purpose of this bill is to give full legal protection to babies born alive after a failed abortion. Now, if this law is passed, this will ensure that a baby who survives an abortion attempt will be entitled to the same level of medical care and treatment as any other newborn. These guys that introduced this, they're my hero. They're my heroes. 
three three men, um, Senator Canavan, Alex Antic, and Senator Bab- now Babbitt. I'm not sure who that is. Um, I need to research who that person is, but I definitely love and know Canavan and Antic. I follow all of their um, their stuff. Now, I think and hope that we would all agree that denying a baby proper medical care or treatment after being born alive is absolutely inhumane. I mean, we shout from the rooftops, right, about equality and discrimination. Our government literally tie themselves in knots, making sure that minority groups are not marginalized or discriminated against. But what about our most vulnerable minority minority group, the defenseless babies born alive after failed abortion attempts? Now, the Greens are not going to vote for this bill. And yet they are one of the loudest parties against discrimination and for equality. Every single political party in this country, it should be a no-brainer that they should stand for this bill, that they should stand for the rights of every single Australians. Now, these babies are Australian, and yet they're not defined as Australian, therefore they're not defined as well, they're not defined as people, they're not defined as patients, and therefore they're given no care. But here's a reality check for everyone that, uh, and, and a reminder that we need to be, before we go voting for a political party, we need to be looking at their policies. In 2019, the Labor government actually went into the election with a radical pro-abortion policy. And in their policy, they stated that all public hospitals would be required to perform abortions as a part of them receiving funding from the government, right? So it was a th- it was a threat because like everyone has to perform abortions, otherwise the funding would be withdrawn. They would have also forced faith based hospitals as well to do the same, with the threat of taking funding. They also promised free abortions to all Australian women. Now this was hugely unpopular, and they think that they lost the election. Uh, partly due to this radical, or very much due to this radical agenda. Now, that policy quietly disappeared from their website, but they've shown their hand. We now know what the Labor government think, even if they did make that policy disappear. They were very quiet about it going into this election. But, you know, even if a party is pro-abortion or a person is pro-abortion, everyone can and should support the Babies Born Alive bill. It's literally like it's it's the only humane thing to do. It is the only decent thing to do. It is the only kind, compassionate and caring thing to do. Now, if I look at the state that I live in, we've got our government here rushing through bills right now, sneaking through bills such as making sure that children from the age of 12 and up can legally change their gender on their birth certificate without having any medical invention and without intervention and without parental consent, right? So while they're rushing through laws like that because they're so concerned about the marginalized and they're so concerned about, um, you know, discrimination and equality, at the very same time, our state has some of the world's most brutal abortion laws where over 300 babies have been born and left to die in the manner that I've just talked about. It makes no sense. It is so completely hypocritical. I, I just I don't even know how these politicians can even call themselves human when they know that this is happening in their hospitals. 
So that's the state of our government here in Australia, where they're taking away rights from parents, giving no rights to babies born alive after failed abortions, and in fact encouraging their brutal death while withholding any comfort or at least pain relief. Now, if any pastor or leader ever tells you that their job is to just preach the gospel, I'm sick of hearing it. I've heard a few of them saying this and not to get involved in politics. Maybe just let them know about this issue and then just ask them what Jesus might have to say about the babies born alive. What do you think Jesus would do? Oh, yes. Sorry, guys. Let's not talk about that. That's political. So what can we do? I want to leave us with a few things that we can do. Um, And the first would be look to educate ourselves on the issue so that we can speak out. Now, I know that we can't all speak out on absolutely everything, but with these things that I want to give you that we can do, we actually all can do these things. Like we don't have to be full-blown activists, right? Like I know not everyone might go to marches and things like that. But we all definitely need to be educating ourselves so that we can help raise awareness with other people. How can we do that? Well, share this episode, right? Share share this with your friends. Send this and go, hey, did you know that this is happening, you know, in our state so that more people are aware? Um, find other content. So I would suggest that you follow um, in America. There's an amazing lady, Christian lady called Leela Rose. Her Instagram is Leela Rose Official. She is so beautifully articulate and well-spoken, so gentle, so kind. She uh, speaks up about abortion a lot. But here in Australia, there's an amazing woman uh, from South Australia, actually, called Dr. Joanna Howe. Now, she's a law professor. She's a mother of five, and she's been standing up for this issue. So follow people like her. Encourage people like her. Repost her content um, and definitely keep up with uh, with her content so that you can stay informed of the latest. I would also be following senators such as Alex Antic and Matt Canavan. Uh, find articles about these issues, share them, talk about it. The other thing that uh, you can do that's super powerful is to contact your senator. Now, I've done this recently when it came to religious freedoms of our faith-based Christian schools. I'm going to talk about that over the next um, few weeks as well. But it is extremely powerful not to do a copy and paste and not to send an email to a senator that does not represent you, but find out who your local federal member is. Who is your local federal senator? And write them an email. I promise you, they do read them. Uh, I did that here with um, with my local federal guy, and he actually wrote back to me. And I'm going to go and meet with him. Uh, so definitely do that. If more, if enough people write a letter, and don't write a harsh letter, don't write a mean letter. Um, you know, thank them for what they do. Thank them for. Uh, being a person that stands up as a leader in your community and then tell them a bit about you and the issue that you're concerned about and why you're concerned and put some heart into it and definitely put kindness and love into it and then let them know what it is that you want them to do that you want them to stand for and move this bill forward the baby's born alive bill Uh, and the last thing that we can do is we can support charities who are actually helping women because that's the other side of it. That is where the real care comes into it. You know, for women, um, 
It's not about pushing them to make a harrowing decision to abort their baby, from which, by the way, nearly all of them, if not all of them, suffer terribly for the rest of their lives. But it's about providing true care and real options for these women. So support organizations like Cherish Life, who are an Australian organization. Find your local pregnancy center who support women who you know are struggling, who are pregnant and struggling. Maybe they've got lots of children, they might be struggling financially, they might be single mom. Support the women in our community. That is a super powerful thing that we can do. So I want to leave you with a, a little snippet from Joanna Howe's Instagram. This is her in Parliament talking about that little boy, Tim, that I was telling you about. So I want to leave us with this story. Let's have a listen. This is the gap that this bill seeks to address. And we even know of the situation of Tim in Germany. He was a Down syndrome boy whose parents wanted to abort him after the Down syndrome diagnosis. And we know in Australia, nine out of 10 babies lose their life because of Down syndrome um, in utero. But little Tim, um, he was born alive and cried, struggled to breathe, uh, wriggled um, for nine hours on a metal plate. And eventually a nurse who was involved in the abortion, who was just waiting for him to die, took just picked him up, wrapped him up with a blanket, controlled his temperature, gave him a little bit of milk. And, you know, he went on to live and was adopted out. Um, And I think that story to me really, and, you know, his adopted parents wrote a book about his life. And to me, that sums up what this bill is about. It's about equality and it's about a principle of non-discrimination. And it's the fact that we should have laws that mandate equal treatment for all babies in Australia, irrespective of how they came to be. As you can see, she's beautifully articulate. Um, She's got a faith herself, which doesn't surprise me. It's often people of faith that are standing up. So I'm quite moved. Um, I hope and I have no doubt that you are also. So I just want you to remember that, that this is happening in hospitals all around our country. And um, this is not good enough. So I think if we can all put our voices together and support this bill and support Senators um, Antic, Canavan and Babbitt and, of course, people like Dr Joanna Howe. Thank you so much for joining me and for listening to this episode today. And um, I look forward to being with everyone on Friday for Parenthood Friday. Until then, guys, have a wonderful week. Bye.